great to be with you all tonight. Thanks for being here. Uh, special welcome to everyone tuning in online. Uh, if you're out standing in the cold at uh, one of the roadblocks tuning in, thank you for being down on Green Team and thank you for tuning in uh, tonight. Uh, if you're listening to this later, thanks for following up and listening to it later. That's also really important too. Um, I don't know if you've ever been in the experience where you've ordered something online and uh, when it arrives, it, it doesn't meet your expectation or it doesn't correspond to what was promised. Or um, uh, if you've ever uh, tried to bake a cake and copy something. I don't know if you've seen any of those means of expectations versus reality. I've got uh, an example uh, for Josh's birthday. I might try and bake him a Hulk cake. <laughs> Something like this, and we've got a model there. That's my expectation. But of course, the reality, no doubt, will be the next one. That's more, something more like this. Where expectation and reality don't match up. What's promised and what's experienced doesn't match up. I don't know if you've ever had that kind of experience. You've done it yourself, seen it. We've certainly seen the memes. That's the kind of experience I had this week working through our passage today, where um, I'm breaking away from my normal preaching style of, of, you know, preaching the whole chapter and explaining how it fits, what's the point of the whole thing, because as I was doing that study and working through 1 Corinthians chapter 10, there was one verse that grabbed me and wouldn't let go, and that was... Uh, verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also pre uh, provide a way out so that you can endure it. I don't know about you. That's the expectation. That's the promise. It doesn't match my reality. I still struggle with temptation. I still struggle with sin, I still struggle with the desires of my heart pulling me in all different directions. And I don't know about you. Or if you've ever felt like that, or if you've ever felt, or, or even at times I feel I'm the only one that struggles with this. We come to church and everyone's happy and excited and, and has their life all put together. And here I am struggling, like really struggling. And even as a pastor, I feel that that I'm the exception to this verse, or that I can't do it, I can't overcome it, I don't have the power to resist. And because of that, I'm useless. I, I'm, it's shameful. I'm a second-class Christian because I can't deal with my problems. Now, all of these, all of those things are lies. They're not true. And what I want to do tonight is to declare to you the truth. What is the truth? And, and show how our expectation can match our reality with this. But first, what I want to do is define temptation. That's the key idea in this verse. What is temptation? And in the context of, of chapter 10, Paul is talking about idols. The very next verse, flee from idolatry. And this shows that what, what's been underpinning this whole discussion about uh, rights and knowledge and puffing ourselves up and, 
and giving up our rights. And what's behind all that is idolatry. Because the human heart is an idol factory, a great reformer once said. We're created to do everything for the glory of God. But our hearts keep turning away to serve other things. Paul has the example of uh, the Israelites, how they uh, created a golden calf and they worshipped it. They indulged in, in sexual morality and revelry and all these things. They turned away from God's good plan and purpose for them to this idol. And so to do the Corinthians and so to do we turn away and sacrifice, give of ourselves, serve, indulge our own desires that pull us away from God. Uh, James 1 verse 14 says, But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and is enticed. Then when desires have conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when fully grown, brings forth death. So how can we possibly navigate our way out of temptation? Because this is a reality. It's not like you become Christian and then all temptation, all sin, all struggles just end. It's still an ongoing journey. And how can we navigate our way out of it if it's our hearts that are leading us astray, that are pushing us away from God? When we feel we're the only one who struggles, when we feel powerless, when we feel useless, we need these five truths. And this is, this is what we'll work on one at a time. You are not alone. You have the tools. You can resist. You are forgiven. God is faithful. So look at that. let's look at that first one. You are not alone. The, the, in verse 13, it starts off, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Or I like a guy called Anthony Thistleton. He translates it this way. No temptation is, has taken you except what is part and parcel of being human. Of being human. I think uh, a lot of Christians have Christian imposter syndrome. You know that where you're in a workplace and you feel like you have no idea what you're doing and, and you feel like an imposter and the reality is everyone feels like that in workplaces. And in churches, everyone feels like that. It's, we're all struggling. There's no one person who's struggling more than another or in a different way. Or, or there, there is uh, different ways, but everyone is struggling. We have this, I don't know if you've ever had that experience where you were at school and you were the only one that forgot it was casual day. <laughs> and you rock up and you think, oh my goodness, I, here I am in boring old school uniform and everyone else has get to express themselves and enjoy themselves in comfortable, casual clothes. And here I am wearing bland old school uniform. It can feel like that at church and in Christian communities and just in the world that everyone's out and about living their lives and, and we're held back by this struggle, by this sin we can't overcome, by this temptation, by these things that keep drawing us away from God. But no, this is part and parcel of being human, that we have desires, that we are fallen and broken, and while we're on this earth, there's things that will pull us away from God. 
Now, there's two parts to this statement. Uh, There's actually a warning and an encouragement because it's combined with verse 12, the verse before verse 13. If you think you are standing, take care that you don't fall. If you think you've got it all together, if you think that you've got it right, that you know the right stuff, that you're able to do resist everything, and here you are, some great, righteous person who can get it all right, take care you don't fall. Because you're not special. Everyone struggles. So don't think that you're immune to temptation, to struggles. Everyone struggles. Everyone struggles, so don't think you are alone in it, is the encouragement. You're not alone. The church is not a hotel for healthy people. The church is a hospital for sick people to come and meet the healer, Jesus. That's the first truth. You're not alone. Second one, you have the tools. And he, Jesus, or Jesus, will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But rather, with the temptation, he will provide, he will give, uh, he will make a way of escape. All right? God will give you the tools that you need to resist temptation. Now, I, um, we had a group of people come to our house a few weeks ago to do a whole heap of gardening, and uh, a couple of people are here who are part of that. We, Emily and I were just blown away uh, by uh, this community's support of us and help in that area. Uh, but now there's this, uh, this whole heap of wood at the bottom of the yard that I've now have access to because uh, all the weeds are gone. And um, every time I pass that, I think, oh, I've got to cut up this wood. I've got to get it. There's some planks. I've got to cut it up, get it some for firewood, some I'm going to use for some wood projects. But every time I'm down there, I think, oh, but I can't do it. I can't do it right now. I was there this afternoon, I saw it, and I thought, I can't do it. But in reality, I can do it. And all I need to do is to go up to my garage and grab the tool that I need. And then I can do it. And all that's stopping me is not my ability, not, you know, the, the task is too hard. It's just I haven't just gotten the tools that I already have available to me. I think so often when we're facing temptation and struggling through our struggles, we think we can't do it and our expectations don't match our reality, not because the expectation is wrong, but we're not taking up the tools that God has given us to deal with temptation, to, to work with that struggle. And so, what are the tools? What has God given us to provide a way of escape from temptation? There's heaps, but I'm going to focus on three. The first one is Scripture to guide us. Scripture to guide us. It reveals the true nature of our hearts and where we are straying. Uh, uh, 2 Timothy says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Not just teaching and training, but rebuking, correcting. If we're going off the path, Scripture guides us back onto the right path. And so I wonder, as we read Scripture, do we read it asking the question, is this showing me where I am straying? How can this guide me back to the right path? 
Is there some sin or struggle or blind spot, some pride or anxiety or action or attitude that this is revealing in me? It's illuminating my life, my heart. Do we read Scripture with that attitude? The first thing God gives us is Scripture to guide. The second is the Spirit to convict. The Spirit to convict us. That feeling of, I shouldn't do this, or this feels wrong, but, but I really want to do it. Or that sense of guilt afterwards, knowing that what we've said, what we've done, what we've looked at, is not right. Is not what God would have us do. And it's the Spirit's conviction. Galatians 5 says, Paul says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, your, your, your evil desires. But for the flesh desires what's contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So you're not to do whatever you want. You're not to go off and do whatever you desire, but the Spirit helps us live how God would have us live. We don't have to give our, indulge our desires and sacrifice for our idols, but to do everything for the glory of God. I used to work uh, for a brewery a number of years ago, and then in manufacturing um, uh, four years ago, and in both those settings, and if anyone here has been work, working in manufacturing, you can relate, there's such a like, warning overload and all these alarms that constantly are going. And I remember uh, the first time I came into the, the brew, brew shed um, and uh, the operator's room, and on the screen there was all these lights blinking at all these different points. And I'm like, oh, should, should we be worried about this? It's like, no, no, this pressure's a bit high. And then, then an alarm, st- like this alarm started beeping. And it's like, oh, is that, is that an issue? Oh, no, no, it's just something else going on. It's just this constant alarm overload. And to the point that the operators just tune it all out. And then you get like tiers of emergencies. Not this, you're not just one emergency, it's an emergency. We should act accordingly, but you've got tiers, like tier one, two, three, four, five, and then it became a tier zero, and then a zero A, just to distinguish all these emergencies. And I think when it comes to listening to the Spirit, we've, like, often we, we learn to block Him out, because our culture is so driving us in a certain direction, and our, our desires, as we keep indulging them, we, we hear the Spirit. The alarm bells are ringing, but then we, we tune them out. I think what we need to do is to learn to listen to the Spirit again. Listen to the Spirit. And that takes prayer. Prayer that the Spirit would show us, would convict us. And that takes silence. That takes a lot of self-reflection. And that takes community. And that's the third thing that God's given us, community to help us. Because we are not alone. We're not alone in working through this. And how I specifically see this working out is confession in community. James chapter 5 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may 
be healed. How do we find healing? I don't think he's talking about physical healing, but that spiritual healing, we're dealing with temptation, we're stuck in this, this cycle of, it, of giving over ourselves to these temptations, not resisting, and we feel trapped and stuck. How do we find healing? It's by confessing to someone else. If we want to find forgiveness, we confess to Jesus, and he will forgiveness, forgive us, but to find healing from it, confess to community. Now, it's not to confess to anyone, to everyone, but it's to confess to someone. And that releases you from the power of that sin, that guilt, that shame. If you confess to someone else, they can speak truth into your life, and we'll talk about that in a minute, that you are forgiven, that it doesn't define you. It also shares that burden, that you're no longer struggling with this alone. Because you're not alone. And so where, where could this work out? For me, I have my wife, Emily, that I confess to. I've got Craig, who I work closely with in the moment. And then also, uh, they're not here, but Declan and Mike, two of the elders, we meet fortnightly to read the Bible. And after tonight, I've decided, and they can find out later, <laughs> that we're going to have a time of confession together. Actually share, where are we struggling? Where are we feeling tempted? Where are we falling into temptation? And that'll, that'll be for me. Who could it be for you? Who are the people in your lives that you could confess to, that you could share these burdens with? Your life group, a mentor, one of the elders uh, of our church. What are other people in this room? Me, as a pastor. Who could you confess and therefore share that burden with? And you might wonder, uh, what should we confess? And the way I kind of think of that is um, when I'm going to speak to Emily about this or, or if I'm going to speak to Mike and Declan, I think, what, what don't I want to share with them? What a part of my life do I not want them to know? That's usually the thing that I need to confess that I need uh, to, to, to share with them. Because how could I deal with that if I'm the only one who knows about it? How can we work through our anger issues if we're the only one struggling with that? How can we deal with our anxiety if, if we don't actually share that with anyone? How can we overcome a porn addiction if no one knows about it? I've got to confess Share that so that we can be healed, so that we can be forgiven. And it's not our burden alone to bear. I'm going to change the order of these truths. The third one, you are forgiven. Because even if you fall, even if we fail, even if we, we indulge our desires and give of what is God's to ourselves or other things, God provides a way of escape, a way out. It's not that once we've sinned or fallen, we're stuck in a cycle of shame and guilt, we're in a prison. God provides a way of escape. He forgives us. 
that when we confess our sins to Jesus, he, is, he will forgive us. Jesus sets us free. And one of my favorite verses from 1 Corinthians is 1 Corinthians 6, verse 11. And it says this, That is what some of you were. Talking about a whole heap of sins. Now you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God. Right? It's not that we're dirty. We are washed. It's not that we're full of shame. We've been sanctified. We've been made holy. We're not guilty We've been justified. And that's what we need to hear. When we're struggling, that's what we need to hear. And so, what I want to do is I want to equip everyone here with the tool uh, they need both to, uh, to help ourselves through temptation, but when someone comes and confesses to you, how are you going to respond? And if, say, you're in a situation where you don't have a Bible, how are you going to respond? with this verse. And I want to take a minute for us all to memorize this verse together, because this is such an important verse. So, can you read it with me? 1 Corinthians 6, 11. And that was what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. All right, next slide. Again, and that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Next slide. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Next slide. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Next one. <laughs> that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Very good. One more. <laughs> and that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were justified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. We'll test you next week. The next truth, fourth truth you can resist. You can resist. The last line of that verse, so that you may be able to endure temptation. You can do it. That, that struggle, that desire of indulging that desire or that sin, that idol, that anxiety, that pride. For the next 30 seconds, can you resist? For the next minute, for the next hour, for the next 24 hours. Can we endure temptation? And I've shared this before, but a great lesson I learned from a guy from the States, John Elmore, is we just take it 24 hours at a time. That today I will choose to be faithful. Today I will resist temptation. Today I will not sacrifice other things 
to serve me, but sacrifice of myself to serve my God. Today, one day at a time. And when we find ourselves in the grips of temptation, where it might be, might even be later tonight, or it might be tomorrow, or it might be in whatever situation we might find ourselves, how do we use these tools to navigate out of that? And I love this. I saw this on someone's uh, Instagram earlier this week. We use our GPS to navigate out of temptation. We use our GPS. We gather our group, we persist in prayer, and we search the scriptures. Send a message to someone. Hey, I'm struggling right now. Who, who, who are your people? Who is your community? Who in this room could do that? Persist in prayer. Pray for the Spirit to convict you. Pray for the power of the Spirit to help you. Search the Scriptures. Rely and trust in the promises that God has given us. Use our GPS. The final truth. God is faithful. God is faithful. In the middle of temptation, we're struggling when our expectation doesn't match up to our reality. It's easy to think that, is God setting me up? Am I some sort of expectation to this promise? Is, is, is my, am I being singled out for some reason by God? Like, is he being vindictive against me? No. I think so often we focus so much on ourselves, our guilt, our mistakes, or even worse, our pride. The fact that we are doing so well that we haven't done anything, we haven't done that thing for so long, or gosh, we're good, we're always hitting our, our Bible reading uh, agenda and we're praying lots. We focus so much on ourselves when we forget who this is all really about. God is faithful. Early in the week, um, in, at the staff meeting, someone shared uh, an analogy which I thought just fits so well with this. I can't even remember who it was. But when you're driving down the freeway at the moment, there's so many signs, isn't there? So many warnings and witches' hats. And, and I, like, I actually struggle a lot going down, trying to read them, and then and they, they swap over, and then you're trying to read, oh, when is the, uh, the, the work, road works? Was it next week or this week? And, and before you realize, as you're driving down, you're reading this sign, and you're veering over, and you're going into the next lane. I think we, we can do that with temptation, that we focus so much on the signs and the warnings that we're drifting off from what we're really here for. Now, I'm not saying we need to ignore the signs or don't deal with temptation, but the goal is not just to have a clean slate and be a perfect person. The goal is Jesus, who we're driving after, who we're pursuing is Jesus. We fix our eyes on him, not focusing on this or that, on Jesus. Because what he has to offer us is so much better than whatever else on this earth we might desire. There's a great, there's a book um, that talks about uh, struggling with porn and lust and, and those kind of things. I love the title, Captivated by a Greater Vision. And I wonder if, if we could have that mentality, we would pray for that in ourselves, that we would be captivated by a greater vision, that we wouldn't be distracted or sidetracked 
by all our struggles, but captivated by what Jesus has for us, what Jesus has done for us, because God is faithful. He's faithful. And so together, we need to chase after him, fix our eyes on Jesus, seek him in his word, seek him in worship, seek him in prayer, seek him in community, together, because we are not alone. God has given us the tools to resist temptation. We can do it. We are forgiven And God is faithful. God is faithful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for, gosh, gosh, this week, this has really struck me. And I've I've struggled with this and I've um, made commitments to change, Lord. I've been convicted by your word. It's illuminated in me areas I need to change. I pray you would help me do that. You set aside my pride. You set aside my self-righteousness or this idea that I can do it in my own power and strength. And God, help me, help all of us to use the tools that you've given, that we wouldn't leave them rusting in the shed, but they'd be out and we'd be using them every day. We pray that you would... Uh, identify the people in our lives that we could regularly confess to to have that kind of relationship God if there isn't anyone we pray you provide someone make that clear to us God we pray that we would be really helpful in encouraging one another that we would remember the truth that we are washed we are sanctified we are justified and that we would share that with others not defined by our sin. We're not defined by our struggles. We are defined by what Jesus has done for us. And Lord, I pray there's people here, I'm sure, who are struggling with all kinds of things. I just pray that you would lift their eyes to you. That you are faithful. That we all would be captivated by a greater vision captivated by Jesus that we'd seek after you to fulfill the desires of our hearts not other things not what we think is better God we just want more and more of you and God help us to overcome temptation not for an achievement not to lord it over other people not for our own self-righteousness but that we might reflect your glory that we might be your children, that we might live according to your purpose and plan for us, that we might do everything for the glory of Lord Jesus Christ. We pray all this in his name.
So what is the difference? And I quite often ask other Christians this. Can you give us some... Mm. When we know, are, we, are we being convicted by the Spirit of sin or, you know, of temptation? Or are we being attacked by the evil one to bring us down? Yeah. That's a great question. Thank you for asking. Um, I think it's where does, where does it lead you? Where does it lead us? Um, when we feel guilty or convicted, if it leads us to um, feel ashamed or feel um, oppressed or leads us to a point that we can't possibly share that with others or we can't um, or that we are inferior because of it or and if it's oppressive, uh, then absolutely, that's, that's the devil using that, you know, his, his name is the accuser, accusing us of these things. But when, but when the Holy Spirit convicts us and that leads us to confess it, and we confess it to Jesus, we're forgiven, we confess it to others, they share that burden, it loses, like I said before, it loses power. So no longer can Satan accuse us of something because we've confessed it and we've been forgiven and other Christians have declared we're washed, sanctified, justified um, and now I, I, I was going to talk on that and uh, I decided to cut it for time but now I'll go into it now uh, it's a bit like um, it's not a perfect analogy which is also why I cut it uh, but if you've ever had a speeding ticket you know, and uh, this has never happened to me but I know people who've happened, this has happened to you get a speeding ticket, someone, um, a police officer runs his alarms and pulls you over, and you know you've done the wrong thing, you know you are over, and they come and you say, oh look, I know I've done the wrong thing, I was speeding, I'm ready to cop the fine. And like often, some, not all the times, but I've heard of cases where the officer goes, okay, obviously you understand, I'll, I won't charge you. And by conf confessing, it loses the power of the accusation. And I think um, what the devil does is accuse, but the Spirit leads us to confess. And I might be sharing with someone or, um, or confessing to Jesus, actually being honest with God in prayer. I think naming sins is really important, like calling out, I'm struggling with this, this, this. Uh, not just assuming God knows it and knows to forgive it, which he does, but actually calling him out breaks the power of those things to, an, to a certain extent, and, and I think even more so with other people. Um, but yeah, but that's what I'd say would be the main difference. Where does it lead you? Um, so when we feel guilt, when we feel guilty, where are we going to go with that? Hold on to it? And, and feeling guilty, I can't possibly share that with others because it's like that, that, that thing I said, you know, what am I going to share with the people I confess to? It's whatever I don't want to share with them is the thing I need to. Um, I, I, I could keep going, but I won't. Um, but no, thank you. Thank you for asking that question. It's very, very important. All right, we'll get, get back into worship now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. That's what I was about to say. <laughs> uh, we will have a few people. Um, no one was lined out, but I might just stop some people. And Craig and Kath, or you're on the Uh Doesn't matter. Debbie and John. 
up the back or around um, uh, whoever wants prayer or wants to confess something or uh, wants prayer to be able to get to that point who's not there yet and that's alright we'll be here for you um, and you can do that to each other as well but let's worship let's focus our eyes fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.